Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Series A, not Series B. Who are you, huh? Yeah, hey, Mama. It's time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your paradigm. You're tuned in to another episode of All Night with the Living Heat, a podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness and the weird world in which we live. I'm your host, Taylor, and across the virtual desk for me tonight is my brother, Seb. Seb, how you doing? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, I am doing uh, much better than I was much recently. I got over a cold, so I'm feeling a lot better. had some uh, automotive issues that are sort of... Uh, been been, been uh, alleviated with um, a little bit of duct tape and spit and glue and elbow grease. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm still hanging in there. Um, That's good. How are you doing? That's good. Um, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Life has been uh, you know busy. Work has been busy. Mm. Um, but we're we're all doing well, and it looks like we are a step closer uh to getting vaccines approved for the kids nice. so that is making us really happy mm-hmm. uh right now and i have to say seb i mean i i saw some of your automotive ordeal uh-huh. um and i know that eventually it's going to be new car time yeah. for you but i'm i have to say i'm really proud uh as a car guy myself <laughs> uh that you were willing to get underneath and basically um you know through some sort of black magic uh reattach this piece to your car so you could at least uh go take care of a couple things yeah uh good on you for that well thank you yeah the car gene definitely you know you had it you have it dad had it and it it definitely kind of uh ended for me at at about the hot wheel phase so uh, it was yeah it was a big big, uh victory for myself so i get that definitely so uh yeah when you're when you're ready to do some car hunting i'm i'm happy to help you do some research awesome if you'd like um Sounds good. Um, well, I tell you what, Seb, you know, it's November. It's the beginning of a new month. Um, what has been up in your weird world this past month? Right. Yes. Well, my latest obsession, I am trying to find a copy of a long lost UFO documentary called Beyond This Earth. And it's an incredible story. Um, Beyond This Earth was filmed in Australia around the year 1990. By, okay. by a legendary B horror movie director named Al Adamson. Okay. Um, Adamson was a was a wacky guy. He did a lot of like low budget horror movies. Um, he had weird guest stars in his movies, like Colonel Sanders. Um, he fi- <laughs> okay. He filmed at the Spawn Ranch when like the Manson family was living there at the same time. Like really weird guy. Anyway. According to the 2019 documentary called Blood and Flesh, The Real Life and Ghastly Death of Al Adamson, Adamson was a UFO skeptic who turned into a hardcore believer during the shooting of Beyond This Earth when he claims to have actually met a human-alien hybrid. Oh, okay. Now, according to legend, Adamson quote-unquote knew too much, and his UFO documentary was suppressed. Now, Adamson himself was brutally murdered in 1995, and according to an article in the December 5th, 1996 edition of the LA Weekly newspaper, some believe that Adamson was actually murdered by an extraterrestrial. Now, here's where things get a little weird. Beyond this Earth, it doesn't seem to have ever been released, but tantalizingly, 
the website imdb.com suggests that it was released in 2020. But oh. I can't find hide nor hair of this thing. And um, it's been kind of driving me crazy. So huh. that's my latest uh, obsession. Yeah. I, I don't know. You might you might think to, um, you know, put a call out on Twitter and tag, you know, people like maybe Johnny L. Tenney, you know, uh, uh, maybe uh, Adam Go Rightly, who did Saucer Spooks and Kooks. Um, you know, they they may have heard something or know something. Yeah. It, I, I'm amazed at some of the stuff that I will throw out there going, does anybody know anything about this? Right, right. And the stuff that I get back. So that's... That's always cool. All good ideas. Um, yeah, I'll have to take a look. You at know, and, and it sounds like it would be a, a hell of a thing to watch and review. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated now. So um, no kidding. What well, what's new in your weird? Well, nothing too significant. I mean, we've come through October. It's a spooky month, and as part of that, the uh, uh, friends over at the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult. One of the things um, that they are doing. It's kind of an ongoing process, but it started this month. Um, was trying to get as many people who were willing to to try and imbue a package of ramen noodles with a haunting <laughs> what wait a second can you break this down for yeah. me what is yeah okay so so the idea starts with a um uh a i think it was a year ago okay they were on a um a special called haunted salem live okay okay and it was this big like four hour thing and it was um there were a bunch of different personalities and stuff on there um and somebody had brought something called a dibbig box i don't know if you're familiar with that term okay okay um the thing is dibbig boxes aren't real mm. okay um it, they've they've uh greg and dana have done the research um they've tracked down the person who you know basically quote unquote like sold the first one on ebay and he's like yeah i, I totally just like made it all up because dibbick i think is like uh like yeah like a like a ghost within like supposedly like jewish folklore maybe or something yes. like that right yes now dibbicks dibbicks are real dibbick boxes are not right okay and and so they were going to open this divot box on this special okay. they open it right. and there is literally a brick of ramen noodles inside what is wait a second wait a second so there's an allegedly haunted object they open yes. up the object and inside is a packet of ramen noodles yes why was the, without the packaging why were there do, do we know why there were ramen noodles inside this like allegedly haunted object um not specifically other than uh just putting something in there to be like oh yes there's something in there Okay. And, you know, I don't know, something that would rattle around if you shake, shook it. Right. So anyway, it became kind of a gag in and amongst the museum of like, um, what if we tried to actually take a brick of ramen noodles okay. and haunt it? Now, how would... Right? Okay. So it's that same kind of Philip experiment thing that we've, we've talked about, okay. um, like in our ghost episode. Okay. Um, and it, it, the idea is like they came up with, with a sigil to kind of focus on it people have like named them come up with backstories mm. for them have literally taken them out taken them on 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 trips and excursions and grocery shopping well maybe not grocery shopping mm. um because you go in with a brick of needles you're gonna pay for it again right? right um but you know um um i guess i guess one of the stories is is the guy who came up with this first divic box he would take it to go get ice cream wow right? okay so 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 the idea is is that is that 
we as a people are putting our kind of um, collective thoughts into an object. Right. So, so, so you have a brick of ramen noodles that's not haunted, and then enough if enough people use their brains to try to convince it it is haunted, then it might become haunted. It, yes. Okay. And it's not even so much if enough people do. It's it's you yourself are trying to you know um, focus on your own and get it to respond. Uh, now I am I am not doing it. Life has been way too busy. Right. I haven't been able to um, give a task like this the attention um, that it deserves. Oh, of course. But I'm watching a lot of other people do it, right. and I'm certainly rooting them on. Oh, yeah. And I am, you know, putting out that that intention, that that desire for them to be successful. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest. There was a live stream where uh, just this last week where uh, Greg kind of just laid out. He's like, "Here's here. I have three, and I've named them all." And here's this, that, and the other thing. And then um, uh, ran a, um, just a quick EVP session uh-huh. with their DR60. Yeah. And and at first didn't get any responses. Okay. You know? Yeah. It was just there was nothing. You just heard him talking. Right. Um, and then he's like, okay, let's try another one. So let's try some other questions, ran through some other questions, and started getting responses. No way. Dead serious getting responses. What, what, is, what do ramen noodles have to say? Um... I oh gosh I'm trying to remember some of the things that came up but it was like oh shoot I can't remember they they are going to be posting the audio okay so I'll 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 run back through it it this was like like Wednesday of this week I think it was holy cats and um it, yeah but it was it was stuff like um like everything like just really random questions mm-hmm. um to more specific just like you know. Uh, do you have any memories before like an hour ago? Right. Right. When, when, when all this kind of started. So it, yeah, it's been exciting. The other thing, um, I don't really count it amongst the weird, but something that I've really been enjoying, um, this past week or so, um, that I want to share with everyone else out there, especially if you have Netflix is a show. It's an animated show for adults. Trust me, lots of swearing, um, lots of inappropriateness, but um, it's called Inside Job. It basically is like, you know, there is a shadow government mm. running everything. Mm. You know, there's reptilians mm. and there's, you know, a robot president and everything. But they're <clears throat> kind of all a bunch of goofballs, right? Aww. They're all kind of kind of inept. And, you know, it's funny. It's a great show. Wow. Um, and if nothing else, it's it's really fun to watch the episodes to kind of like look at everything in the background. Mm. Like they've really done their research. Oh, okay. Um, on like fun conspiracy theories and inside references. Right. You know, there's books on Bohemian Grove in the background. There'll be mm. a stack of like folders on a desk, and it's like here's MK Ultra, mm-hmm. and here's Project Monarch, mm-hmm. and here's you know. Um, here's a sketch of a, you know, a Georgia Damsky UFO. It's got street, street cred. I like it. It it has got tons of street cred. Okay. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's uh, the first uh, part. They're not even call it, calling it a season. The first part is uh, ten episodes, huh. um, and in less than a week, I had watched all of them. That's awesome. It's it's yeah, it's really really good. I highly recommend it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of unusual things, we have probably one of the more unusual uh, encounters. Oh man, ever to talk about tonight? Because in May of 1973. A most peculiar thing happened on the Isle of Wight. A girl and her friend were playing.
playing near a golf course in the town of Sandown, when what can only be best described as a clown of sorts appeared. His name, it turned out, was Sam. Sam had a pretty dope microphone and a shed to call his own. Only maybe it wasn't really a shed. Maybe it was a spaceship or, I don't know, a TARDIS or something on the inside. This bizarre encounter fits a few possible scenarios. Aliens, the Fae, maybe even just a hoax. Sam, as he's described to us, has never been seen again. But what exactly happened during the incident with Sam, the Sandown Clown? Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. And every time, dun, 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 green giant. No. Um, so, Seb, first thing I want to mention mm. is that that a, a big source of information for us in, in crafting this episode mm. um, was a PDF copy of the, uh, what is it, the British UFO Research Association uh, journal uh-huh. from the... January, February of 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will have a link to that in the show notes because I believe you can get uh, PDF copies of their issues like freely and openly mm-hmm. from their site. Um, so this is this is kind of our main source. And if I'm not mistaken, based on the wording of the article itself, it kind of seems like this might actually be the first time that the story of Sam the Sandown Clown is told in print. Right, yeah. With a lot of the investigations we do with the, with our podcast, I always try to see if I can find the earliest known example of that uh, legend or story or whatever um, in print. Um, and this was the earliest, I, I mean, there's a lot of information on the internet about this Sam the Sandown Clown, but this was the earliest uh instance of this information and there's a kind of a line drawing of what he allegedly looked um, yes we will make sure that that goes out on our socials if you've never seen it before it's weird it's 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 something else and it's i'll be honest it was a really interesting um research project for for this week this month's episode uh i i i uh i i really had a, a struggle with it because at, at some points i would be like okay this is Obviously, we're dealing with a ghost of some sort. Then some days mm. I'd be like, oh, this is obviously an extraterrestrial space alien. And then some days I'd be like, oh, this is just a hoax that some kids made up. And then some days I would be like, oh, well, this is, you know, a guy in a clown suit who's messing with little kids, you know. And so he's the hoaxer. And then, oh, it's just every other day I had a different take on the whole thing. Um, so I'm going yeah. to be really interested to hear what, what your thoughts are tonight uh, talking about well, this. And that that is interesting because I, I was very much the same way. Mm. I mean, like the first time and this sam kind of came up kind of as almost i don't know it was like a throwaway idea you know we we were kind of kicking around ideas oh man what do we want to do next month well we could do this we we could do that and i was like oh you you want something real weird have you ever heard of have you ever heard of sam yeah you were like no no okay go go look at this and you were like what is this oh uh and it just kind of kind of i don't know sparked both our interests oh for sure um and we were like okay let's do this Mm. and and every time i would read the story Uh of of what transpired i'm like oh yeah i totally like this i see you know um similarities with like um you know kind of crossing into the realm of the fae Mm. um and then i'd read it again and i'd be like okay i am totally getting like you know like this is some sort of like alien with like a perception filter thing going on. Mm. Um, and then there were other times where I'm like, this is so detailed and so specific. Mm. I'm like, 
Like, it's almost too specific at times. Mm. I'm like, this has got to be a hoax. Mm, uh-huh. And I would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I'm not, I'm, I won't lie, I'm not sure what it is. Right. But what I love about um, the, the Bufora Journal um, is that we get some other names associated with it. Right. Um, because in the journal, where this article starts, um, so it's, it's written by a guy named Norman Oliver. And the first thing he says is, I'm indebted to Leonard Cramp for advising Mr. Y huh. to write me concerning his own and his daughter's experiences. Right. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, okay. Now we have some extra names. So I looked up Norman Oliver. I looked up Leonard Cramp. I'm like, are we talking like these are real people? Right. Let's make sure. Yeah, Leonard Cramp, totally real. Okay. Norman Oliver um, was definitely real. Um, I actually have got a link in our show notes to a, um, a book that Leonard Cramp wrote. Oh. Um, and I've got a link to, I was hoping it was actually video, but it is actually just audio only of Norman Oliver getting, giving a talk. Oh. And I'm like, okay. These guys are for sure real. There's no mistaking that. Right. Um, so Norman Oliver apparently knows Leonard Cramp. Leonard Cramp um, knows this Mr. Y. Mr. Y. Mr. Y. Now, I later in the month, as we were researching this, got the idea. I'm like, okay, Mr. Y, for all intents and purposes, is a pseudonym. Uh-huh. Right? And we know for a fact that um, when they refer to his daughter as Faye... Uh-huh. F-A-Y, that is absolutely a pseudonym, right? But Mr. Y, I'm like, it could be that his last initial starts with a Y. Like, his last name starts with a Y. Right, right. Mr. Young, you know. Right. Young, Yates. (laughs) So I I went, oh, man, I really wish I could find, you know, a phone book Mm -hmm. from the Isle of Wight from around, say, 1970, 1971, 1972, 1973, and just how many... I mean, the Isle of Wight is not huge. It's not like you're searching London. Right. It's a little island on the south shore of England, uh, just for the folks at home. Yeah, it's not a huge place, you know? Presumably. Right. So I'm like, how many many last name Ys are going to be there? I'm like, you might be able to narrow it down. Uh uh Um, I also don't see any evidence that anyone um, has tried to uncover who they are. Yeah, that's for me. That's one of the things that's I just wish as we're as we're going to learn more about this case tonight, folks, uh, there's basically a a young boy and a young girl who are the the primary witnesses of this phenomenon. Um, I really wish we knew who they were and could hear their stories today if they still um uh back up this 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 tale or if they've you know come around to saying hey this was all a hoax one of the challenging things is we're getting this story from this article this article that's written by norman oliver right um Mm -hmm. and we're hearing we're hearing this story as told to him by mr y and mr y was told the story by his daughter and his daughter's young friend so it's like it's like how many well that's like three already like three iterations away from first-hand accounts so it's you know right so it's right it's 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 very challenging but yeah it would be it would be amazing if that could be um sussed out somehow either through um i don't know how you would do it maybe if the the, this this organization before if they have like archives with copies of you know documents and letters and stuff like that and maybe that's one way to to track it down who knows knows, yeah it's it's really tough to tell now i do i did a little bit of math and if if as reported if Faye was seven when 19 in when this happened in 1973 she'd be 64 Mm -hmm. today now presumably everybody else involved leonard cramp norman oliver mr y are all probably dead probably yeah 
Um, now, the unnamed boy that was with Faye presumably could be alive. Yeah. If we just assume they're about the same age. Right. So there's that. Um, but I, I really would be curious. Like, there is there is part of me that likes that mystery. I want to drill down and I want to, you know, find the source mm-hmm. and find, you know, was this a real encounter? Was this a hoax? And if you look at just Faye's experience and, 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 and her friend, I keep wanting to say boyfriend and I'm like, I'm going to confuse people if I say yeah. that. Um, and her friend's experience with Sam just by itself, you might get the sense that, okay, maybe it's a couple of kids with real overactive imaginations. But no, according to the journal, we also find out that Mr. Y himself has had a couple of experiences with UFOs. Mm. The first one was on the 20th of October of 1970. Okay. And around 7 p.m. in the evening, Mr. Y was driving to visit a friend when he noticed a large multi-lit aircraft off in the distance over the swampy edges of the river Yar, which I have to say that way because I'm a goofball. Um, it was a wide, it's described as a wide ring of seven or more lights, clearly defined, right? And he, he drives on. And the object follows, uh. right? Now, it's at a distance, right? So, it's, so at one point, he stops again, and the object is above some distant hedges um, and appears smaller with just four red lights. Okay. And then he signals at it with his flashlight. Uh, I, I have a very, <laughs> like, every time people have signaled at a UFO with a flashlight, guys, please, I, I really, like, this is my, my gut feeling here. If you signal SOS... <laughs> I think they know what SOS means, ah. and they will think you actually need help. Oh, jeez. Um, so, yeah. Good to know. Just keep that in mind. But anyway, he signals at it, okay. and the craft kind of weaves back and forth without settling. Mm. He gets all the way out to his friend's house and apparently leaves his taillights on facing the craft. I don't know about you. I would at least shut my headlights off. Mm. I have that much sense. Um, now, he and his friend come out later. The object is still there. So the craft later disappears on his way home. Mm. So this this is lights in the sky that have been present at this point, presumably for hours. Uh-huh. Um, so he also reported subsequent experiences of, a, of stationary or following red lights as if they were checking up on him. Mm. Okay? okay? Now, we don't know exact dates and time on those. Um, but on the 1st of March, 1972, between 9 and 10 p.m., Mm-hmm. Admittedly, fairly late. Uh, Mr. Y is down at Cliffside in Compton Bay. It's a real place. I checked it. Oh. Um, and he's kind of stuck on the beach. Um, the Isle of Wight itself, you know, here in California, we have kind of smooth sloping beaches, oh. right? Only in a few places do you get really kind of like a cliffside drop off, oh. mostly in northern, northern California. Isle of Wight, it's all a lot of cliffside. Oh and short beaches um so and he's kind of stuck on the beach due to kind of this unexpected tidal surge well so he's kind of like up on the beach kind of close to the cliff and he can't get to where he can get up to the nearest car park right um so he observes two glowing yellow orbs under the water about 40 feet away Mm. Right. And he also thinks that these objects or this object could have caused the tidal surge. Okay. Now, according to the journal, he says that he's never, you know, at this point had never shared um, his experiences with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So try, trying to make the point of like, I've not put the idea of UFOs into my daughter's head. Okay. Now, we just had the journal to go on, so we kind of have to take him at his word. All right. So 
on or about May 12th or 15th, depending on which part of the story you kind of go from. Uh-huh. We'll call it the 12th, um, uh, May 12th of 1973. Uh-huh. Um, as the story is told, is a Tuesday. Right. It's about 4 p.m. Okay. Faye and a friend, who's a boy and never named, are out near Lake Common. Okay. Um, now, as I'm reading through this PDF for the first time, I have literally got Google Maps open. Mm, I did that too, yeah. Yeah, in, in another window going like, okay, here's Sandown. Okay, here's here's Lake Common. Okay, here's this golf course they talk. And I'm trying to go, okay, they cross, you know, anyway. I'm, I'm trying to check up on a lot of this stuff uh-huh. because that's one way that you can go, okay, do does stuff line up? Uh-huh. So anyway, they're out near Lake Common when they hear what sounds like an ambulance siren. Uh-huh. And I actually went and made sure to get a recording of a 1970s British ambulance, uh-huh. right? So they follow the sound across part of the golf course and through a hedge. Right. So they're 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 in my mind. I'm going, OK, they're they're transitioning between places, uh. whether that's our world and the Fae, our world and like some sort of like alien sphere of influence or just what, you know, um, ultra terrestrials, who knows? And as they're crossing a bridge, a blue hand and, and then all of Sam comes out from under the bridge, under the bridge. right yeah. now i'm now i'm getting like troll vibes right yeah i'm like oh there we go more more of this face stuff it's, it's it's a troll or something fumbles a book into the water mm. which is you know for you and i bibliophiles that's just heartbreaking um and then he he goes on to retrieve it yeah right sam then walks to his shed okay and he, he kind of walks with a strange hopping motion mm. with his knees raised high like in ministry of silly walks it, it, there's, there is kind of yeah. a Ministry of Silly Walks yeah, kind of vibe the, to this. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when I thought of that. And I'm like, I'm like, is is gravity just weirder for him that his knees are kind of, you know, hopping high like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the kids just wander off. Like, what? Yeah. The kids are like, oh, okay, let's go back to what we were doing. Yeah. That that that's just bizarre to me. But at the same time. That makes me think of alien encounters where, you know, you're witnessing something weird, mm. like truly weird, but you have this kind of apathetic response to it. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, okay, going about my day now, mm-hmm. right? So they're about 150 feet away when um, Sam comes back out of the shed. The ambulance siren thing sounds again, and now he's got a microphone, right? And so he comes out. And he's got this mic, and he says, hello, are you still there? Yeah. Um, and it's reported to be, you know, totally friendly tone, right? Nothing um, menacing about it. Yeah. So the kids come back, and he's described as being, get this, seven feet tall. Pretty tall clown. Pretty tall, yeah, right? <clears throat> he had no neck. No neck. Because his head appeared to be wedged straight onto his shoulders. Right. I love this. This description is crazy, and I'm reading it straight from the journal now. Mm-hmm. He wore a yellow pointed hat, mm-hmm. which interlocked with the red collar of a green tunic. Mm-hmm. Right? So we've got yellow, red, and green in terms of colors so far. Um, a round black knob was affixed to the top of his hat, and wooden antennae mm-hmm. were attached uh to either side right his face had triangular markings for eyes mm-hmm. which is you know you can almost get jack-o'-lantern vibes off that mm-hmm. right a brown square of a nose 
and motionless yellow lips. Yeah. Ugh. Other round markings were on his paper white cheeks and a fringe of red hair fell onto his forehead. Uh Wooden slats protruded from his sleeves and below his white trousers. um, Oh, sorry. And from below his white trousers. Uh Excuse me. Okay. (laughs) Spend just half a moment envisioning that. Right. Like, I don't know about you, but that actually is both fascinating and really creepy. It is like, it is like Jack from Jack in the Box come to life in a very kind of twisted way. And it is the most fantastical description of any sort of creature, be it alien, cryptid, or otherwise, that I have ever heard of. Now... I might be jump. I might be jumping the gun. So if you want me to hold off on this, just say so. But this is when we first start getting into the description, the physical description of Sam. That's when my the gears in my mind start whirring. And okay. And 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 scenario number one is this is a human being in a clown suit who's messing with kids. And when I started thinking about this theory, I thought, okay, the thing that for me makes me think this human is he's actually got a microphone like if i was an alien or a ghost or something like that why would i need a microphone um but here's the thing so there's actually this really bizarre thing um apparently most clowns you know decide to adopt a unique form of face paint and they, they register this so that other clowns won't like like i don't know accidentally or intentionally copy their face paint design or it's something. it's literally clown copyright yeah it's clown copyright and there's something called and and so there's this is this is gonna be this is i never heard about this before but basically there's something called the clown egg register mm-hmm. and what happens mm-hmm. is a replica of their personal makeup design is carefully painted onto of all things an egg and added to this register and Clowns have been doing this since the 1940s with an organization called Clowns International. And um, a, a, a book version of this register was published in 2007. So I was unable to find any sort of clowns that look anything like Sam. So that was the first thing where I was like, okay, well, you know, if I had found... This is gonna. This is probably gonna be the weirdest sentence I've ever uttered. If I was able to find, find an egg with a clown face on it that looked like Sam, right... And like, mm-hmm. let's say it was registered to like, you know, Joe Bag of Donuts, Isle of Wight, 1970. I'd be like, oh my gosh, we broke the case. You know, it's this yeah, bizarre clown. exactly. I wasn't able to find anything like that. One of the things, though, that I did think about, and I wasn't able to back this up with any sort of research, so I really can't put a lot of stock into it, was like, okay, what if Sam isn't a human being, but Sam is the ghost of a dead person? And I started thinking about this. There was this one weird little throwaway thing in the article that really caught my imagination. This whole event happened, like, at a little, like, um, stream on the Isle of Wight in Sandown between a golf course and a small private um, airstrip. Yes, this is not too far from the local airstrip. Right. This is true. And I started wondering, and honestly, I have no no idea of the history of this airstrip, but I started wondering, what if this little airstrip was around in the time of World War II? And let's imagine some sort of... You know, RAF bomber coming back from a, a bombing mission over the continent. You know, it, it, let's say it's damaged and it crash lands at that little airstrip. What if okay. what if Sam is the ghost of one of the air crew? Because think of, the first thing I think about is okay, the whole thing with like the, the weird get up and the weird face stuff. Maybe that's the flight suit and the the flight the 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 the, the little mask, the air mask that all the pilots wore. You know. Um. Okay. Okay. And, yeah. And, I'll go ahead. And then I was thinking, okay. 
also if there was like a plane crash maybe that maybe at the time there was like a like an ambulance that was rushing to the place so that's where the ant the siren comes from you know and then like the fact that there's like this weird shed like that kind of reminded me of those old like world war ii era quonset huts you know okay now i have no you know i have no evidence that any raf aircraft ever you know crash landed in sand down during the war the very you know, air, air crew killed. But that was definitely something going on in the back of my head, which was like, maybe that's what's going on here. You know, it's the ghost of an air crewman who still is in his weird old, you know, get up, maybe even half burnt, you know, so it just looks bizarre. It, yeah. I mean, I, it's an interesting, it's an interesting line of logic, a line of speculation that you take Yeah. with this. And not, certainly not one I considered, which is why I'm kind of like having like these very instantaneous reactions to it when I should really just be listening. Um, no, no. I mean, yeah. So this is just, yeah, it's just one of the things that just popped in my head because it was just, it's just such a weird scenario, you know? It really, really is. And, and it's, I'm like, come on, shift, shift. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Long straightaway, as people like to do that. Yeah. Um, there, there are aspects of his appearance that don't make me think instantly that it's you know a flight suit like the with the with these colors so different. You oh. know, a yellow pointed hat, yeah, um, and a red collar and a green tunic, and you know this, that, and the other thing. It doesn't make me think of that first, but that that is some interesting speculation in terms of like, well, maybe it's this. Yeah. Um. And and again, without really knowing if there was RAF activity there, you know, it it remains just that. But but yeah. who, knows? who knows? I mean, yeah. maybe you know, with some time off and some research, there might be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the red red collar that could even be maybe like a. Maybe like one of those little um, like life preserver type deals. Like if they thought they were going to go down in the channel, I don't know. It's just this is just random speculation. No, opinion. that that's fair. And and if nothing else, I mean, I mean, we've just come off of Halloween. You know, if you really want to do a really crazy Halloween outfit, oh gosh. and you really want to be obscure and be able to tell a great story with it, consider being Sam the Sandown Clown next year. The crazy thing is, like, there's such a he he's his appearance is so weird, but his behavior seems so. Like peaceful. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? The, there is, there is like almost nothing threatening mm. about Sam. Like one of the first things he does when he gets the kids' attention, even though he's got a microphone, mm-hmm. right, and can speak, is he he wrote in a notebook mm. in large, what's described as a large hand, which means large handwriting. Mm-hmm. Hello, and I am all colors, Sam. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so they they the the kids read each word. As they're pointed to, um, and it and it says in here this was necessary as the words were not laid out in conventional sequence. Now, we'll get to a point later in the show where I start throwing a lot of these very specific phrases and terms into the secret cipher, and it starts getting kind of weird. But let's let's keep talking about the actual experience here. Um, so the children go closer they discover that sam could talk without the aid of the microphone mm. though his lips didn't move and his speech was unclear rather like that of a person who doesn't open his mouth properly mm. um so um sam asks the children about themselves we don't get any specifics about that they venture to ask questions as well they asked about his clothes which were all ripped mm. and he told him he only had one set so he could only wear those um because of his strange white features, they asked if he was really a man. The answer was a chuckled, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, dear. 
Oh dear. Oh, Let's not make Seb laugh this episode. Oh, no. Um they I know, I love it. Master of the understanding. He chuckles. Yeah. No. I well, yeah, yeah. Too much British TV growing up. I guess so. They also asked if he was a ghost. Mm. The vague reply was, Well, not really. Mm. But I am in an odd sort of way. Mm. Right? So the kids go, What are you then? Ah. And his only response is, You know. You know, you know. You know. Yeah, well thanks, Sam. Like this is this is just the weirdest, like, exchange. <laughs> yes, yeah. Of conversation. Yeah, yeah. In, in, the, in the annals of English letters, this this ranks up there with just like the weirdest conversation anybody's ever had ever. Yeah, sure. I love it. Now, interestingly enough, even though he's referred to as Sam the Sandown Cloud, he also said he had no name. Mm. Oh yeah, that was weird too. Yeah, he said that there were others like him though. Mm. And he drew a rough sketch of one of them. Mm. Um, he also confided that he was frightened of people and scared they might hurt him. Aww. Apparently, if he was attacked, he wouldn't fight back as a path. Oh, that's... that's another one of those things that kind of make, kind of give me that, like, certain aspects of the Fae. Okay. Um, even though they can be very territorial, they can be very, there's, there's something about that, like, I'm scared you might hurt me kind of thing either that or this is just the most cowardly alien race yeah that's in existence they've they've heard about earth they tend to lock their doors as they go past you know mm. but then they go into his hut and his shed let's go in the hut his his shed his spaceship his hardest whatever you want to call it yeah so but but get this there's not a door they crawl through a flap right and this hut contains two levels two story two, so it's a two-story it's a hut two, it's a two-story it's hut. a two-story hut, got a two story hut that you enter by crawling through a flap right right, right. we've yeah. left weird behind this is this is like <clears throat> just truly strange right we're in sam's so house you, we are <laughs> this is sam's house yeah. um the lower level yeah. um is described as having plenty of headroom mm. And was, quote-unquote, wallpapered in blue-green and covered with a pattern of dials. Mm, yeah, it also had an electric heater and a simple, oh, sorry, and simple wooden furniture. Mm. Okay, so weird. Sounds a little bit like a maybe slightly advanced homeless encampment, mm. right? Um, the upper level was less spacious and the floor was metallic. Okay. He told the children that he fed upon berries, which he collected in the late afternoon, but he didn't say where. But he did indicate that he had a camp on the mainland that he'd go to. Okay. He also said that the water from the river could be drunk once he had cleaned it. So so we're, we're getting this kind of like, there's like hints of advanced tech here. And like he's got a water purification system. But he also has wooden furniture. So. But he also has wooden furniture right. and, wallpaper. and wallpaper. But the wallpaper's got dials on it. Right, right. Right? So this makes me think that, okay, there's some sort of, like, like perception filter. I'm just going to steal the term from Doctor Who. It's what they use. Okay. There's a perception filter going on. Okay. Right? By this point, I'm going, okay, they're on a, like, a legit UFO. And, and, and he is influencing their... Uh, minds to see what they're seeing, what they're describing. Man, we're, you're so close to the weirdest part of this story for me. I know, I know, I know. So anyway, um, once inside the hut, he removed his hat to reveal round white ears and sparse brown hair. Which is weird because earlier they said red hair, but anyway. Yeah, I know. Maybe it's just that, you know, the red kind of transitions to brown. Mm. You know, that whatever that shade like right between is. Well, he also is know. all colors, we've learned. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Um, so now here is the weirdest part. 
<laughs> Before eating a berry, he performed what is considered an odd conjuring trick. He placed the berry uh -huh. in his ear. His ear. Doesn't say which one, okay. so take your pick. Thrust his head forward and caused the berry to disappear uh -huh. and reappear at one of his odd eyes. Ah! Yeah. Okay. So, like, I have no idea what the flip is going on yeah. at this point. I'm shoving a berry in my ear. Yeah. I'm thrusting my head forward, yeah. and it's coming out one of my eyes. Yeah. And then he repeats the process. The berry traveled to his mouth. Ugh. Now, there is... There is a, a an editorial comment here where a possible explanation could be that he was wearing some kind of protective mask and analyzing the berry to check that it wasn't poisonous. Holy cats. You know what? It's it's an editorial guess, so sure. Mm. It could be. Okay. It could just be a conjuring trick. I mean, it really could just be like, hey, look what I can do. Is that a quarter behind your ear? Oh, man, I don't know. That's, some, that's, that's a messed up conjuring trick, I'll tell you. It is. I mean, honestly, I would probably scream, and I'm a full-grown adult. Um, so we get all this kind of specific detail so far in this story. Mm. And then the next like section says, the children talk to this strange being for half an hour or more. Mm. Okay, can we get some details? I know, right. Yeah, it's like, you know. No it's like all of a sudden we gloss over 30 minutes. Yeah, it's like, come on, come on, guy, help us out. Then after saying goodbye, they rushed across the golf links to tell the first man they met that they'd seen a ghost. Mm. He merely laughed. Awesome. But the children were convinced their experience, convinced of it, and that the being was either a ghost or someone dressed up crazy now i don't know about you but if if i was a kid i mean even i think in the 70s kids were wise enough to go like well ghosts aren't solid uh -huh. so if you go this was a ghost or this was someone dressed up uh -huh. you would think at some point you might go well i'm gonna poke him and find out which it is sure you would think uh -huh. so uh Faye mm -hmm. doesn't tell her dad about the experience for three weeks. Okay. Um and, and they, they mark that date as the second of June nineteen seventy three. Okay. Which I believe is a Saturday, which made me go, Oh, three weeks earlier it was Saturday the fifteenth. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning of the story it's reported as a Tuesday and that's the twelfth. Mm -hmm. So there's some some flexibility as to like when the date was. But if you take that Tuesday, mm -hmm. go okay, it's May the twelfth. Mm -hmm. Um so of course, you know, Mr. Y, having had his own experiences before, uh -huh. right? Um, at first, he goes, wow, this is really kind of crazy, Faye. This is, this is kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but was amazed at the detail and Faye's certainty in, in what she experienced. Um, now, here's, here's a weird part. Mr. Y saw the boy, right? Remember, Faye was with the boy. Uh -huh. um, but found him not easy to communicate with, though he did get a statement from him verifying that he'd seen it too. I don't know what to make of that. That's right. like, was the boy just really kind of freaked out and still kind of trying to process what he'd experienced so he didn't like talk about it much? Yeah. Maybe he's just an introvert. It could happen. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Um, so the article goes on. Apart from make-believe, other possibilities considered included a shared hallucination, uh -huh. not out of the realm of possibility, and a deliberate hoax by someone. Uh -huh. um, and now here's... Oh, Here's the train. Yeah. Every episode, we guarantee you a train, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the train. No, here is where my train of thought ah, gets really interesting nice. because there was such an extraordinary amount of detail, however, mm. which included the further point that the creature clearly only had three fingers. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, Emily. On each blue gloved hand and three toes on right. his bare white feet. Seb, 
my dear brother, yeah. what other creatures have we run into recently that have three toes uh, and three fingers? Was it the Kentucky Goblins? It was the Kentucky ah. Goblins, and that also ties us to what? Uh, 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 Kentucky. The hell yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So again, again, here is this, this additional detail that we we again see throughout different cases and and just to let our listeners know ladies and gentlemen if you're not familiar with hellier we will eventually have an episode dedicated to that topic so stay tuned for further details and let's be honest we will probably have a couple of episodes i don't think you can cover it no no. it'd be like a four-hour episode yeah for sure oh man and and since we record on a saturday evening i'm already tired so getting me to do a four-hour episode yeah gonna be really tough so anyway mr Mr. Y finally chimes in with his own commentary. And he says, I get the impression that Faye was somehow taken into a bubble of alien reality Mm. created by this strange personage. Uh Personage. So British. Mm. He told them he had uh, he told them he had just made the hut. Also, Faye told me that while they were talking to this quote-unquote ghost, two workmen nearby were repairing a post. They paid no attention to the weird charade as though... They could not see it. That was interesting, I thought. Because if this That was, is interesting. If, that again that makes me think perception filter. Right. If this was just a guy in a clown suit, you think they would have seen that too, you know? You would think. I would say that uh, uh, Sam would be very hard to miss in a crowd. So let's just recap. So so far we've we've considered A, it's a human in a clown suit that's a hoaxer. Yeah. And we've considered B that it might be the ghost of a dead person. Potentially. And then, what's the next one? A- extraterrestrial? Um, sure. It, it could be um, some sort of extraterrestrial or ultra-terrestrial. Right. Um, let's lump them both together um, using some sort of, um, you know, mind-altering perception filter to appear this way to the kids, maybe to appear less threatening. Okay. So that's um, that's like, what, three and a half, four possibilities, I guess, at this point? Yeah. Okay. And, then, and then, you know, without being any sort of expert in fey and fairy lore, but knowing a little bit about it, I would also say that, that there could be um, an additional possibility, um, especially, you know, in England and such, that they could have crossed over into quote-unquote the fairy realm that crossing a hedge kind of thing kind of rings of that and had an experience with some sort of i mean maybe it really was some sort of trickster element that that that's why you get this kind of clown feature you know there's no there's no seeing a craft leave the shed doesn't suddenly just shimmer and disappear it's like they literally leave and they assume that that sam's just there hanging out snacking on berries and purifying you know creek water <laughs> you know I, I, I got drying his book out on the space heater uh, for about half a day i got fascinated with the idea of what kind of berry we were talking about and i actually found there's quite a developed berry and fruit industry in, in the Isle of Wight. There's blackberries, cherries, gooseberries, loganberries, raspberries, but surprisingly, none of them are actually ripe and available in the month of May. The only thing that's really available at that time are strawberries, so it's possible that it was a strawberry, uh, unless he likes like unripened berries, possibly. You know, there's there's no accounting for the, the tastes of fantastical creatures. Right. Maybe they do. Now, it, 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 it's weird because there's... Um, I was I'm, I was I tried so hard to find any sort of other par- 
paranormal phenomenon that has been described that even comes close to Sam the Sandown Clown. The, right. And and I, and I could never find anything that was just like matched up 100%. But the closest thing I could find, there was a phenomenon uh, that the, the um, paranormal researcher Lauren Coleman co- coined the term phantom clown and he describes about it in his book mysterious america um and i thought it was kind of interesting he talks about something quite unusual was happening in america in the spring of 1981 reports of clowns in vans bothering children was openly discussed in the newspaper Mm -hmm. phantom clowns in at least six major cities spanning over a thousand miles of america in the space of one month is quite a mystery frustrated policemen pointed out that virtually all of the reported sightings originated with children aged five to seven. Okay. And the police and volunteers were never able to capture any clown. Um, and and it, it doesn't fit 100% because a lot of the reported sightings, the clowns were very um, ominous and threatening in a sense. And that's completely opposite to kind of how Sam is coming across, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I thought there was something interesting there. It's time-wise, it's, only, it's, not, it's less than a decade apart. Um, it's involving clowns, children of the same age as Faye and the little yeah. boy, you know? Yeah. And, and the fact that these, these, these clowns were never able to be seen or caught, so to speak, by adults. So I thought there was something there going on, maybe. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's always a worthwhile consideration. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely good research and it's, and it's a great source. I mean, I mean, Lauren Coleman is a, um, you know, a, a well-trusted uh, source of information. So yeah, I mean, you could certainly refer to Sam as kind of a phantom yeah. clown, especially because we don't get any reports of Sam returning. Right, exactly. Anywhere. What we do have are some very key phrases mm. and key words that kind of come out of this case and sometimes when i get kind of a weird vibe off a case i will take some of these phrases and i will throw it into the secret cipher of the euphonaut and yeah could, could for our listeners could you just really briefly talk about a little bit of what that means um okay so oh boy <laughs> um it's uh, yeah how do i how do i sum it up simply um Basically, this cipher, um, each letter of the alphabet has a numerical value. Okay. Um, so uh, what you would basically do is, um, the nice thing is that there are now websites that will do all the calculations for you. Um, and I'll, I'll throw the link to uh, one of them in the show notes. It's, it's basically naeq.io. Mm. Um and it has basically a calculator, so you can throw a word, a name, a phrase um, into this, and it will tell you the numerical value of that word or phrase um, or name, and then it will give you anything that appears in... Um, oh gosh, I forget the name of the text off the top of my head. It's a... Um, it's a Thelemic mm. book. Um, oh, duh, the Book of the Law, okay. um, uh, which is a central holy text of, of Thelema, um, a spiritual and social philosophy derived from Western esotericism, uh, founded by Aleister Crowley, no less. Mm. Um, so it will give you um, any uh, terms or phrases from that book in particular that has the same value. Okay. Right. The idea being that there are, you know, 
kind of secret code words and that can lead you down certain paths or lead you to certain discoveries. Okay. So um, I, I try to do these mostly in order of appearance, mm -hmm. uh, thinking that from start to finish, there may be a thread that runs through them. So I put in, hello, are you still there? Okay. And that has a value of 263. Okay. So some of the hits... Um, I threw there. There are more that pop up that I put in here, but these are the ones that seemed relevant to me. Uh -huh. um, so um, there is uh, every star I am life and. But if you rearrange that, I am life in every star. Okay. So okay, maybe it's a an extraterrestrial thing. Uh -huh. um, there is I will hide thee in a map, uh -huh. which I was like, ooh, wait, what? Yeah. So we've got a clown. Clowns wear masks. Right. You know, we kind of have that. Um, my secret temple. Mm, okay. Right? We've got the shed. The shed, yeah. Um, right? Um, the omnipresent. Mm. Interesting. The supreme ritual. Okay. Um, and and then writing of the beast, which I didn't really think kind of fit because there's nothing really kind of beastly about this encounter, but there is writing that happens. So okay. I was like, mm, throw that in there just for good measure. Mm. Um, so then we get the very famous hello and I am all colors Sam. Right. As a value of 201. And so here we get behold the ritual. Mm -hmm. So there's another ritual hit. And then we get by a secret name. So what does all this mean? That's for us to figure out. Mm -hmm. That's for us to figure out. We're We're looking for things that maybe make some kind of sense, uh -huh. some kind of connection between the two. Like, for example, you know how he wrote out, hello, uh -huh. and I am all colors, Sam. What else equals 201? Chosen one right, uh -huh. W-R-I-T-E, uh -huh. which I find odd because Sam wrote this message. Uh -huh. Right. What else we get? I am everywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is a weird one. Um, there's also that which remains. Uh -huh. So may maybe Sam is is by himself. Yeah. Even though there are, he says that there are others like him. Yeah. Maybe he is the only one on Earth. Right, right. At this time, you know. Um, and I even throw stuff like you know, mm -hmm. in right has a value of seventy-two, mm -hmm. and we get stuff like curse. Mm. Okay, half known. You know, half known. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, we also get kisses. Oh. I'm not sure I want clown kisses, well, but okay. Yeah. So. But he goes, right, you remember the conversation. He's like, okay, but but if you're not a ghost, what are you then? And he goes, you know. You know. You know, you know what else equals you know? What? I will show. Whoa, what? Uh-huh. Are you serious? Dead serious. Whoa. Dead serious. Okay. Um, and then so let's look at, well, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way. Okay. Has a value of 403. Okay. So other things that have a value of 403 right. in the book of the law is... Now, I just, I put this one in here because it just sounded really weird. Okay. A circle in the middle and the circle. Oh. I don't know. Okay. Now, here's this one. Bid me within thine house to dwell. Oh, right? the house. Like he invites the them into, into the shed, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I never behold the rituals of the old. Again, we get, here's our third thing that is talking of ritual uh -huh, uh -huh. um uh the study of this book is forbidden maybe that equals the same as well not really but i am in an odd sort of way yeah maybe that's why he drops the book in the water maybe yeah maybe see there you go now you're thinking now you're thinking yeah. okay now this last one i threw in here because of what i'm about to talk about after it okay <clears throat> so also having a value of 403 is not and my number is nine by the which 
it's it's a it's a sentence fragment. Okay. Right? But my number is nine. I've kind of focused on that. Okay. So just for S's and G's, I throw Sam uh-huh. into the cipher. Okay. Has a value of 27. 27. 27. What is 2 plus 7 equal? Oh, 9. Oh, snap. My number is 9. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Now, what what else equals 27? Uh, Always. Okay. Lord and no law. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay, let's let's throw in Sam the sound da- sand down clown. Let's throw it all right? in there. Throw the whole thing in there. Yeah. Gives you a value of 169. Okay. I this man, this this is where it really started going off the rails for me. Okay. Words are skew wide. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Right? So they, they talk about how, you know, they were trying to make sense of what he was saying and, and what he was writing because it wasn't in like a normal order that an English sentence would be in. Okay. Words are skew wise. Okay. Okay. Now, Sam the Sound Down Clown. Most clowns you think would evoke laughter. So also having the same value, laugh in my honor. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and then we get simpler stuff like not understand, which is kind of what we're doing right now. We don't understand mm. what Sam really is. That's for sure. Uh, right? And then we get some weirder ones like the dark invoke or the pall of death. Ugh. Yeah. Right? Stuff very kind of contrary to kind of the experience that's described for us. Jeez. Um, now, for Faye, F-A-Y, uh-huh. which, is, which is how her name is given. And we again, we, we admit it's a pseudonym. So maybe the stuff doesn't fit because it's a pseudonym. Value of 34. Um, we get a sword. Okay. Okay. All God. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. Um, and we get Fool. Ah, uh, fool. Well, Sam seems kind of foolish. Well, yes, okay. but also is is Faye being fooled? Is Faye fooling us? Is this? Oh, a, oh I right? see what you're saying. Um, <laughs> and then just for fun, I throw sand down in because that's the location where this happens. Value of fifty. Okay. Uh, we get stuff like a key. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get stuff like all I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a bunch of short words that all have a value of fifty, like eat. Mm-hmm. Oh, eat the berry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dread. Okay. Harlot, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, lie, mm-hmm. right? Again, hmm, it's either lie down or lie as in to tell an untruth. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Rare. Um, self and show. Didn't really feel anything that really kind of jumped out in terms of those. But I found it interesting that, that from start to finish, you, you get a lot of talk about ritual mm-hmm. for a bit. Um, we get that the words are skew wise is really interesting to me with Sam the Sandown Clown mm-hmm. as a result. Um, and so, yeah, it's I like using the cipher when stuff kind of just has a weird vibe and mm-hmm. I want to go, OK, is there something more mm-hmm. to this? I'm kind of like listening to my gut. And in and I encourage anybody if, if you're just kind of having this weird feeling about something and you're just like, OK this phrase or this name or something seems unusual to me, Mm. toss it in there. Mm. See what comes back. Mm. See if something kind of rings a bell Mm. and kind of makes that gut feeling um, kind of ring a little truer. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. Just because that was one of those things that when, when I was first reading about sam i was like okay something something really something's calling to me about this story right now wow and that's that's when i go okay let's look at the cipher let's see what we've got here and especially the whole the nine thing Mm. my number is nine Mm -hmm. and then sam equals 27 which equals 
nine. Right, right, right. Like that's a hit for me. That's like okay, wow. there's something going on here. Fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. So um, I know we've kind of as we've gone through, we've kind of like talked about you know um, uh, aspects of the story that that kind of present a case for either an encounter fay uh-huh. encounter with an alien case for it being a hoax so I, I don't necessarily want to rehash a lot of that is there anything that you want to add yeah yeah to I, any of that you know yeah I, I think your explanate your your examination of kind of the goblin universe aspects of this case is fascinating you know to kind of play devil's devil's advocate I kind of want to kind of have, posit a different scenario which kind of brings it back to the nuts and bolts um, simplicity of an alien extraterrestrial encounter. And I can't believe yeah. I'm saying that. I can't believe I'm saying encounter with an extraterrestrial is like the simpler explanation. Right. But one thing I thought was really fascinating, and I didn't know this before researching for tonight's episode, um, there's actually some correlation amongst people who claim to have extraterrestrial encounters between alien encounters and cholerophobia, which is the fear of clowns. Right, right, right. So there's this book. It's called UFOs Over Topanga Canyon, Eyewitness mm-hmm. yeah. Accounts of the California Sightings. It was written by a guy named Preston Dennett in 1999. Yeah, it, Topanga Canyon is a very fascinating case all on its own, and I, I, I think at some point we should do an episode on it. I would love to because, I, honestly, I don't know anything about it. So. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard a couple of, of podcasts uh, kind of talk about it. I was like, oh, this is weird, but please go ahead with what you were going to say. Yeah, so uh, this is a quote from his book. It's, it's, uh, it's a quote, it's an account by a person who's, you know, claiming to have encountered an extraterrestrial. Um, it goes to say, uh, someone's looking in my window. Why is this person dressed like a clown? But it wasn't really a clown. When I think back now, it was not a clown. But I was always afraid of clowns after that. Like I said, when I really think back on a lot of those stories and things that happened to me when I was a kid, like the th- like that thing I imagined was a clown on my window. I know I was awake. And then it says, interestingly, UFO researcher Bud Hopkins reports that he has several cases of abductees who have this same bizarre phobia, fear of clowns. As mm. Hopkins writes in Witnessed, quote, I have encountered at least five abductees with the same dread fear of clowns, in every case dating from childhood. Most cite clowns' scary, exaggerated eyes and mask-like, painted face. It would seem that for some abductees, seeing the natural human physical body and or face stylized or distorted triggers memories of the alien's non-human appearances, unquote. So what I find fascinating about that is it sounds like that some people who claim to have childhood experiences with extraterrestrials, maybe their minds aren't able to interpret what they're seeing and, and, and understand a non-humanoid face. And, mm-hmm. and the closest analog in their imagination they have to equate it to is a clown face, you know? Right, so, right. So that was one thing that kind of piqued my interest because I was thinking, well, maybe the kids are seeing an extraterrestrial face and they're relaying the story as if describing it in, in clown terms. I don't know. I, I, no. I mean, uh, I don't know if that is accurate or not, but it was definitely an interesting, interesting little tidbit here, you know? Um, it, it definitely is. I mean, I think ultimately, in, in the final perspective, in my opinion, if there was some way we could get first-hand testimony from these kids who presumably are now in their 60s if they're still alive, mm-hmm. I'm convinced that, let's say this was a real experience and the kids didn't make it up. Um, I mean, heck, it's even possible that the kids never existed, you know, and Mr. You know Norman Oliver or whoever invented the Y family. Anyway. Right. So let's say that they really existed and they really claimed to have this experience. I think part of the problem is the fact that we're getting this story. You know the old game of telephone? Somebody tells a story to a 
person and then they whisper it to the next person and they whisper it to mm-hmm. the next person. Once mm-hmm. you get to the end of that chain, the story is kind of garbled, you know? Yeah. I, I think that some of the the difficulty in trying to determine what kind of paranormal category this falls into kind of relates to that whole thing about the whole game of telephone. If we could somehow get to the first hand witness testimony, um, I think it would become a lot clearer if we're dealing with something from the goblin universe or an extraterrestrial or, you know, a ghost or something like that. That's that's my feeling at least, my gut feeling. No, I completely agree yeah. with that. Sorry, I just heard something weird around me and I'm not sure if it was the cats or just what. What did it sound um, like? I sound oh, you know what I know what it was. Yep. And the cat just walked after me. Oh, ah. uh, yeah. Okay, never mind. See, I'm, I'm all caught up in this story. <laughs> and suddenly I'm like, what was that noise? Wah. It was a cat playing wah, with wah. a um, uh, one of those things you twist to open Venetian blinds. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's not attached to the Venetian blinds anymore. It's just leaning against a wall, and she was batting at that. Oh, thanks, cats. Um, Whoa. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, it, yeah, it's, I would love to. That If there's one thing about this case that I, 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 I really wish I had the capability to do would be to figure out, one, if Mr. Y and Faye are real in uh-huh. the first place, and, and to find out who they are. Now, I don't want to just go you know, blasting into somebody's DMs being like, hey, are you this person? Uh-huh. You know, um, <laughs> tell me all about this, especially if they have stayed quiet about this case for almost 50 years. And no, Seb, I'm, I'm not making implications about something you're chasing down for no, next month. No, no, no. I was just thinking it's so funny because how, how would you start that conversation with a stranger? Hey, 50 years ago, did you meet a seven-foot clown on the island of White, Isle of Wight? You know, it's like, that's just amazing. Right, exactly. Seven-foot clown walks into a bar. Yeah. And, oh, wait, no, no. Um, it does. And it, and it, it, it sounds, you know, absurdist mm. in that sense. Because, yes, how would you even uh, broach that topic with someone? But, but that is one of those things where it's just like, you know, my mind goes back to what we were saying earlier. That island is only so big, you know. Only so many people lived on it, you know, in the early 1970s. And and assuming, assuming that Mr. Y, that the Y is the first initial of the last, the actual last name. Yeah. And not a completely made up. If it is, all bets are off. Could be anything. Could be anyone. Well, I think, you know, hey, if Sam, if this whole thing had happened in the United States, you know, in like, you know, out, you know, Nowheresville, Ohio, for instance. Right. There would have been like a Sam the Sandown Clown, like day festival parade, you know. I mean, who knows? Maybe they do that. Maybe there is a Sam day on the Isle of Wight or whatever. But, you know, it would be a lot easier, I think, to get people out of the woodwork, you know, if there was some sort of... uh, festival involved with it i guess you know i could see that i could definitely see that now there's one more thing before we descend into the archives i um i really i want to encourage everyone to go check out this particular issue Mm. of the british ufo research association journal Uh um because further down in this um in this journal uh looks like it's on page 19 um i come across a headline uh called alien nudist what yes um and that's not just the weirdest part this is this is a story i had never heard before it is it is so out there that i want to be the first to kind of give some attention to it um it is um it's pretty short i'm gonna read it real quick yeah um 
And I believe this is an encounter that happened. Um, yes, this happened to a gentleman named Tom Dawson, who at the time was a 63-year-old retired automobile dealer living in a Georgia caravan park with his wife and seven-year-old daughter. Okay. Okay. Uh. Um, so this appears to have happened on Saturday, the 6th of August, 1977. Um, so he, it's around 10.30 a.m. He walked down to a fish pond behind some pines and crossed over the pasture uh. Uh, with a couple of dogs he was with. Uh. Um, and so he stepped inside a gate because there's cows grazing. So uh. you got to keep those gates closed um, to the field. And before he could close it, a strange circular shaped spaceship set down in front of him hovering two feet off the ground oh. he found he was unable to move a muscle oh. um as were also the dogs and cattle they all froze in whatever position they were in when the ship landed uh, okay. okay um as it stopped a hatched open and five strange looking quote-unquote humans marched out two women and three men oh. their skin was white as a flour sack which oh. No, Sam was also very, very, very white. Uh. Their noses were sharp and turned up, and they had pointed ears sitting right on their shoulders. Uh. Huh. One man and woman were completely nude and hairless. <laughs> the first one out, apparently the leader, tested the ground, then motioned the others to join him. Two more men then emerged from the craft, seemingly to guard the hatch entrance. Uh. Clothing worn by the non-nudists was extremely beautiful. Uh. Male and female dressed alike, Shoes were made of a silky material and were turned up at the toes and pointed, which is weird enough. Like, I mean, I could I could dive into an analysis of this, but but there's something more important that I'm getting to. Here we go. Okay, okay. The aliens approached cautiously and gave Tom what he thought to be a form of medical. Um, a skull cap sort of thing was placed on his head. Attached were several cords connected to a large ring, something like a hula hoop, on which was a set of dials. His clothing was removed. Oh my. In this field, he can't move a muscle. But as examination was in progress, a loud voice came from the ship calling, I am Jimmy Hoffa. This was repeated three times. A fourth shout being Shut cut up. short. I am not joking. I Wait, am reading this what? word for word. Jimmy, right? Jimmy Hoff is on a UFO with nudists? Apparently. What? This this is this is I what did I did not reading. see I, this going I, in this direction. No. Okay, right? All right. All right. Okay, go ahead. I am Jimmy Hoffa was repeated three times, a fourth shout being cut short. Mm-hmm. Examination completed, this cap was removed, the aliens walked away about ten feet and went into conference. They had high pitched voices, very shrill, and at one time Tom thought he heard the name Jupiter mm. and wondered if they intended taking him aboard the craft. Now I there's a little bit more story, but what I wanted to focus on was the fact that I am Jimmy Hoffa is being shouted yeah. from a UFO so, while a guy in Georgia is yeah. being medically examined. Yeah. Yeah. By semi-nudist aliens. So basically, the theory is maybe Hiafa wasn't hit by the mob, but he was abducted by aliens, and that's why you can't find him. I'm all for it. Wow, yeah. I am all for it. This this was just a nice bonus. Yeah, geez. to having to to reading about Sam. Yeah, that really blows my thing out of the water. But hey, you know what? Something about Sam that just struck me. He's his skin is white, right? 
Yes. He also says, I am all colors, right? Yes. I think if you take all the colors in the light spectrum and put them together, you get white light. You are correct. Which is, hey, maybe that's something, you know? You are absolutely correct. I'm glad you made that connection. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Huh. Well... Yeah. Jeez. All sorts of weirdness. I love it. I, I, can, I can only imagine the other stuff that are, are in other issues of the Bufora Journal. Yeah, it's pretty good, for sure. Um, it's totally worth reading, I'm sure. But every month, Seb's going to dig into the old-timey newspaper archives <sighs> to unearth a story of high strangeness. Seb, what do we have this month? Well, ladies and gentlemen, after learning about Sam, the stand-down clown, I am happy to say we're going to be talking about something right now that's a little simpler, a little easier to understand a nice simple wholesome cryptid okay and this is a newspaper article from the morning press newspaper of may 23rd 1912 and the title of the article is eight-legged fish barks like dog what what yeah yeah eight-legged fish barks like dog all right here we go queer so this was san diego okay yeah. i was i'm like where is this oh, newspaper yeah. based yeah, okay okay is, go this ahead is, this is a story out of san diego folks okay queer creature eats whole raw potatoes out of <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Let me back up. Oh, Let me boy. back up. Let me back up. Sorry, folks. Let me start that again. Eight-legged fish barks like dog. <laughs> oh, man. Queer... Am I going to have to read this? Okay. Queer creature eats whole raw potatoes out of Geo's hand. Okay. Excuse me. So that's, <laughs> that's the headline. Okay. Oh, boy. I... Oh, boy. Don't die. <laughs> I got the good girls. Excuse me. I... Pardon me. Okay, now we're getting into the body. San Diego, May 22nd. An eight-legged fish with a bark like a dog and a ravenous appetite was caught in a net off the lower California coast by Steve Geo of fishing launch Panama yesterday. The strange denizen of the deep held captive in an improvised tank, was brought to San Diego this morning and with a rope around its neck was led along the Custom House Wharf while a hundred curious persons looked on. This strange, unclassified creature has teeth like a canine and gills and dorsal fin, as well as scales like a fish. It is two feet in length and slender. The feet are without nails and covered with soft fur. It will not eat meat, but this afternoon eagerly devoured raw potatoes whole and seemingly fond of seaweed. It ate out of Geo's hand, but could not remain out of the water for long. Dr. Ritter of the biological station at La Jolla will attempt to classify the Camaro. If it can be kept alive, it will be exhibited. So, wow. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know what to say. I mean, compared to Sam, this eight-legged fish that barks like a dog and eats potatoes. I mean, you know, that's I, I'm. that seems like a walk in the park, you know? This, uh, I don't even know what to make of this. This is so out there. It's a fish that can walk around on a leash. It, it just, I don't know. I mean, it, it reeks of a slow news day, and we just need something big enough to fill this you know quarter column i don't know we need to find steve geo i mean we got the name of a guy we got the name of a boat you know i guess that's true i mean i guess it's true some research could be done something to... could be done to dr ritter of the la jolla, la jolla biological station i mean i don't know you know we gotta figure this out yeah i mean 1912 though i mean that that'd be some deep digging i think that's down by the there's like a scripps oceanographic institute down mm-hmm. around there Maybe we could, like, tweet them and be like, hey, do you have this in, like, your storage facility? What's going on? Assuming they're related, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think we've learned something here today. I think, I, I think I've learned something here today for sure. What, what, have you, what have you learned today? I've learned if I see a seven-foot-tall clown with a microphone, he might invite me into a shed through a flap. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, I've learned that eight-legged, you know, fish like to eat potatoes. I've learned that Jimmy Hoffa may have actually been abducted by an extraterrestrial <laughs> group of nudists. <laughs> I mean, I think. I mean, I think that's the best part. What more, what, ladies and gentlemen? What, what other podcast will give you this range of excitement and entertainment? I, I can tell you not. Oh, jeez. Man, I wow. know. I think I think I learned that if I see a um, seven foot tall clown with a microphone, there sure as heck better be two turntables with it. <laughs> um, I want to I want to see Sam drop some fat beats. Um, wow. Man, yeah, what a what a month, folks. I what mean, we knew this was going to be a weird one, but we got some awesome bonus stuff as well. For sure. <laughs> and and trust me, I, I we kind of I don't know hinted at it, but. Seb's got something in the works for next month that I think is going to be, if it pans out, really exciting. I think it's going to be a great episode regardless. Fingers but crossed. We, fingers crossed. If we get this added, extra added bonus thing, this is going to be really interesting. Here we go. But that is it for this month. Thank you for joining us on this adventure into the weirdness that surrounds us every day. Uh, if you have an experience, if you've met Sam and you want to share it with us, or if you have questions, email us at allnightgeeks at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at allnightgeeks. You can follow me uh, at busbuddha 71 and you can follow Seb at Clan McMuffin. That's right. Hey, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, you know, Joe's Podcast Shack down the road. I don't know. And be sure to rate and review us as well. And just as importantly, please share us with your friends, man. Word of mouth goes a long way to spread the love around. And we'd appreciate it if you tell at least one friend about the podcast. We want to give big thanks to the Ghoulies for letting us use Hot Rods from Outer Space from their album Midnight in America as our intro and outro music. Give them a follow on social media. Make sure to hit up the Ghoulies Den denver.bandcamp.com to buy their music we've got merch that's over at shop.spreadshirt.com slash n-o-t-l-g that's right shirts buttons even stickers go check that out and huge thanks as always to kate the steam-powered mouse for doing the show's artwork um you know we are still in a pandemic uh and i'm i'm like i said at the top of the show i'm excited that it looks like kids are gonna get vaccinated soon um but even if things are fingers crossed knock on wood you know do a quick spell uh winding down it is still important to help out local artists local businesses especially going into the holiday season the supply chain issue is is going to be an absolute crap show um so if you can shop local if you can support small businesses uh, especially this holiday season by all means do that support them first if you also want to throw us a few bones uh you can do that over patreon.com slash n-o-t-l-g that is it for us this month we will catch you next month and in the meantime get out and go find something weird good night good night folks A loud voice came from the ship calling, I am Jimmy Hoffa.